Welcome to the Tabernacle. Uh, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, as you can tell, uh, my staff uh, loves me to know that I am now 50 years old. So I would like to say thank you uh, to all of those who acknowledge that I'm a half century old, whether it was a card or a Facebook best wishes or uh, more than likely uh, you just gave me a hard time. Uh, but uh, yep, I'm 50, and uh, one of our staff members, in fact, our newest staff member, Britton Bishop, uh, thought that the way he could feel like he belongs to our tribe here, this, this thing called the tabernacle, was he would present me with this gift. He presents me with a walker, uh, and, and it's duct taped to it is a music stand. So uh, uh, needless to say, uh, we will be looking for a new student ministries pastor in Manistee. Uh, I'm just kidding. That's not the case. In fact, that's exactly how to feel like you belong with our tribe, with our northern Michigan tribe. Um, But I also want to point out the fact that we are here in T77. I'm preaching to you from Manistee. And uh, the reason being is I just wanted to feel closer uh, to our people in Manistee. Now, during this time, we can't get together either in Buckley or in Manistee, but we are one church in two locations. And so it just kind of felt right to come here and, and to have our teaching time uh, right here in T77. I'm upstairs. Those of you who've been here before, you know that this uh, campus is in the industrial section of Manistee. So we don't know. You might hear a boat horn, a train. Um, I don't know if there's ghosts in this building, but uh, we are one church in two locations. In fact, we're one church in multiple locations, including wherever you are. So thank you uh, for joining us. What we're talking about this weekend in our study in Ephesians is uh, that deep need that every human being has to belong. Uh, you see it in the gift uh, that Britain decided to give to me. Is Oh, this is how I'm going to belong, is if I fit right in with the staff by giving John a hard time. That's one way, maybe, to feel like we belong. But to feel like we belong is a primary human need uh, for all of us. In fact, um, we're told that besides food, water, and shelter, every human being has that base need to feel like they belong to something bigger than themselves. This is why we pick teams. This is why we have a favorite sports team, or this is why uh, we join organizations. This is why people end up in cults, to be honest, is that feeling, that need to belong to something bigger than themselves, something that will outlast our lives. This is why uh, our styles change. You know, I was thinking about over the years as I've lived in multiple cultures and, you know, in different countries, different states, is that my style will change according to the people uh, that I'm living with or living in proximity to. So I can look back in my 50-year history and tell you, uh, I can remember having a mullet. It was a spectacular mullet. It was a mullet that required special treatment so it didn't curl up at the bottom. Why would I have a mullet? Mullets are never a good idea. Well, if you want to belong in some cultures, a mullet is an important thing. I can remember when I met my wife. We were just dating at the time. And and in order for us to belong with our style, she had to teach me how to peg my jeans. That was late 80s, early 90s. Uh, Now they're pegging their jeans again. Why? Because it's the style and I want 
to belong. I can even remember a time, and I'm not going to show you the pictures. Uh, You could probably pay my wife to dig them up for you. But I remember a time when a long black trench coat, high top tennis shoes, and a beret was this guy's look. Why? Because we all have the need to belong, to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. And just as one more example, I wanted to share this illustration with you. And I don't want to bore you because I know that, you know, here in northern Michigan, most of us are football fans or, or maybe there's, you know, some of us that are really attached to baseball or outdoors or maybe don't care about sports at all. But I think the illustration serves the purpose. I'm a big fan of English Premier League soccer, right? So I'm a soccer guy. I was raised in a different culture, love soccer. Now, I know that the greatest soccer club in the world is Manchester United. Now, you can text me, you can, you know, send me a Facebook message and we can argue later, but that's just my opinion. That's where I identify. And I was a fan long before it was hip to be a Manchester United fan, right? So I've always supported that team. Now, if you know anything about English Premier League soccer, you know that Manchester United's biggest rivals are just a city that's not too far away called Liverpool, Both of them wear red. Both of them have a rabid fan base. And even though I don't like Liverpool, I respect them. It's a great club, but they're not my club and they're a huge rival. There's something about Liverpool that is incredibly attractive to me. And what it is, is in their crest, in their club's history, as part of their club lore, their tribe, they have this saying. And the saying is, you'll never walk alone. In fact, if you go and, and buy some Liverpool swag, sometimes you can see that, uh, or at least those initials inside the tag or somewhere on the crest, Y-N-W-A, you'll never walk alone. And where it comes from is some random show tune, a Broadway tune from way back in the day, I think it was in the early 60s, and it's not even that great of a song, but for the past 40, 50 years, They always sing that song before every match. The players are done warming up. There's 65, 75,000 people packed into a stadium. They've already had the coin toss and the teams are, are going through their final preparations before they take the field. And all of those rabid Liverpool fans, Man United fans, we call them the Scouser scum. They start singing that song. And they have these banners, they have these scarves, and the scarves says, Liverpool, you'll never walk alone. And all of these people with the, with the scarves up in the air like this are singing that anthem. You'll never walk alone. I probably shouldn't sing any more of it or I'll lose my Man United credentials. But it's spine tingling. You could go on YouTube when this service is over And just dial in. You'll never walk alone Liverpool and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. It is awesome to behold. And the reason I bring that up is because in their club, in their tribe, in this place where they all feel like they belong, they sing that song to say that no matter where you go in England, no matter where you go in the world, there's going to be Liverpool fans. And where there are Liverpool fans, you'll never walk alone. Why is that important? It speaks to that base need we all have to belong to something, to belong to a group. Well, it's the same thing for Christians. 
when Jesus ascended back into heaven after his death, burial, and resurrection, after he gave us the great commission, after he initiated the church and gave us a mission, he didn't leave us isolated and alone. Jesus gave us a tribe. Jesus invites us in to a tribe. Jesus gives all of us a place where we belong. And that's exactly where we're going in the second half of Ephesians chapter 2. Now, um, this week, because we're in T77, because I wanted to feel closer and so we can all feel like we belong, we don't have the text on the screen for you today. But this is an opportunity for you to get out your own Bible or to dial it up on your own phone. We're in Ephesians chapter 2, and we're starting in verse 11. And this is what uh, Paul writes to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, we're going to take this section chunk by chunk because I want to explain some things to you. Why are we talking about belonging and now Paul's talking about circumcision? What he's referring to is the difference between Jews and Gentiles, right? And so one of the marks of a Jewish man, he was required to be circumcised, circumcised on the eighth day. That was the the physical mark that he was part of the family of God. And Gentiles at that time were not. And so he's referring to the way Jews and Gentiles were separated from one another. And in this book, the Ephesians, he's writing to the Gentiles and he's telling them, remember that you didn't belong. Remember that God in his providence chose to reveal himself first through the family of Abraham, to Abraham and all of his descendants, the people of Israel, the Jewish people. And Paul is saying, remember that there used to be a division between you guys. He's pointing out to us, and most of us are Gentiles, those of us that are part of you know, this tribe that's called the Tabernacle, most of us in North America, not all, but many of us were Gentiles. And he's saying to us, remember that you didn't belong. Remember that you were separated from God and you were separated from the family of God. In fact, these are the words that he used. He says, we were separated. We were alien. We were strangers. We had no hope apart from God. And the fact is, I don't have to live in the Middle East 2,000 years ago to know exactly how that feels. Do you remember when you didn't belong? Do you remember when you felt separated? Have you ever been to a place where it just felt completely alien? You know, those situations or those scenarios where you're like, I don't want to be there because I'm just going to feel awkward there. I'm just going to feel uncomfortable there. Maybe it's a family reunion. Maybe it's that side of the family that you really don't want to hang out with. Maybe uh, you, you got a ticket one time to go see your team at a rival team stadium and you had to sit among those crazy Michigan fans as a lonely Michigan State fan, right? We've all felt that before. Remember the first day at school, that new school? 
where you felt like an alien or that first day at the new job. We all know what it feels like, which is also why we gravitate to feeling like we belong somewhere. Paul starts by saying, remember that you didn't belong. And what's worse, you didn't belong to God, nor did you belong to his people. You were hopeless. If you go back to the text, we look at verse 13. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, remember I mentioned last week, the buts in scripture, which are so awesome. I know that sounds weird. Don't think about that too long. But when you hear one thing that's bad, and then in Paul, Paul loves to say, but now, or but God, right? And and in verse 13, we say, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, And has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Now if you're reading that or listening to that and that sounds confusing, don't give up. It's important to dial in here because all he's saying in these five verses, in verses 13 and 18, after he says, remember that you didn't belong, now he's saying, it's Jesus who made you belong. It's Jesus who made you belong. It's not a big brother. Uh, It's not the head of your lodge. You know, it's not an athletic director. It's not a head coach. It's not the boss at the new job site or the cool kid in class who makes you belong. He's saying, it's Jesus It's Jesus who made you belong. And all he's doing in these verses, he lists 10 things, 10 actions that Jesus did to make us who were once alien and strangers feel and know and believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt that now we belong, right? And just like Paul, he just doesn't give us one. He gives us 10. There's 10. He starts off by saying, you were once far off, now it's Jesus who brought you near. In verse 14, he says that Christ himself is our peace. That we can have that peace because of Christ himself, that Christ embodies it. He goes on in the same verse to say, he made us both one, that's the third thing, and broke down in his flesh the wall of hostility. So who are the two that are one, Jew and Gentile? It's no longer about who was the son of Abraham, who's circumcised, who's not circumcised, who has the right bloodlines, who's been in church longer. He says, in Christ, boom, one. And by the way, that dividing wall that separated us, Jesus broke it down. He broke it down. It's he who makes us Belong. In verse 15, he says that he abolished the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Well, what does that mean? That's not just a throwaway 2,000-year-old expression. It, essentially, 2,000 years ago, what Paul was saying is all those little religious things that all of the Jews had to do in order to fulfill the law, 
right? Don't eat bacon. Make sure you worship on Saturday, not Sunday, because that's the true Sabbath. Uh, You know, don't do any work on that day. All of the sacrifices in Christ, all of that has been abolished. It's gone. Essentially, he's saying it's no longer about what we're against. It's what we're for. You see, Jesus came and gave us a new commandment. The commandment was that we would love one another that we would love God and that we would love people and that we would follow the way of Jesus and follow what he commanded. This is how he makes us belong. It's not about your heritage. It's not about your blood ties. It's about Christ himself. And he goes on, he says, he creates in himself one new man. One new man. It's not Jew or Gentile. Jesus made a brand new thing. It's called Christian. It's called Christian and it was initiated in Christ. And by doing so, he made peace. By doing so, he reconciled us to one another. He reconciled us to God. Jesus killed the hostility and he preaches peace to us. So when you start examining those verses, you understand it's Jesus who made you belong. Scripture says that Jesus is our advocate. He's our lawyer between God the Father. When I don't measure up, when my sin is too great, I've got a great attorney. His name is Jesus. And so it's Jesus who makes me belong to the family of God because he's got the Father's ear. When someone from a different church or a different denomination or even someone in our own church who doesn't really like me or doesn't care for some of my choices, well, thank God it's not up for him because He didn't make me belong. It's Jesus who made me belong. He's the one who brings each one of us in on the inside. And by the way, it's only Jesus who can make you feel like you belong. He's the only one who can bring you in. You know, there's some people think that they can get right with God by doing all the right things, by going through the little checklist, uh, that's not gonna make you belong because that's about you. It's only Jesus that can do that. For some of us, we think that becoming an official member of a church, going through the process, filling out the application, which by the way, we highly recommend. It's important to know that you're committed to a church and to a group of people. They're committed to you, you're committed to them. That's important. But it's only Jesus that can make you belong to his family. He's the only one. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other places in the gospel, when he says, I am the door, right? I am the way. There's no other way but Jesus to make you belong. Then Paul finishes the last part of this chapter in verse 19. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God 
by the Spirit. What's he saying there? Well, if we follow this flow, he says, remember you didn't belong. Remember that it's Jesus who made you belong. And then he ends here with, with, with these triumphant verses. Now you belong in his tribe. Now you belong in his tribe. That there, there's this new tribe called Christian. And it's not about Jews. It's not about Gentiles. It's not about Presbyterians or Baptists or Nazarenes or Methodists or Wesleyans or non-denom. The tribe is Christian. The cornerstone is Christ himself. And all of those who've been saved by God's grace, who through faith have received that, now you belong in his tribe. And it's his tribe. It's his tribe. Now, the tabernacle, we're a, we're a tribe. We're a part of that tribe. I mean, maybe we're more like a clan right? The local church is important, but all of the local churches put together are part of this bigger global thing called church. And when you become a Christian, it doesn't matter where you go on this earth. When you bump into another Christian, no matter the denomination, no matter the background, no matter if they were Jew or Gentile, their blood type, or or, anything about them, you can know you'll never walk alone. And you'll know that you belong. You belong because it's about him. You belong because the tribe has Christ as the head. Christ is the cornerstone. Why do I choose the name tribe to describe this thing called church? Well, I, I was looking up the definition of tribe. And tribe is any you know, family or community that is linked together by similar interests, values, or blood ties that has one recognized ancestor or leader. What a great description of the church. We have similar interests. We love God. We love people. We love Jesus. We love the scripture. We have similar values. We're about making disciples. We're about changed lives. I don't care what church you are. That's what you're about or should be. We're connected by blood ties. Whose blood? The blood of Jesus. Which, by the way, that's one of the reasons why there is no room for racism within this tribe. There's no room for church because it doesn't matter if you're white or black or red or yellow. It doesn't matter. It's his blood that matters. That's what makes you belong. And, of course, we have one common ancestor, one recognized leader and that's Jesus Christ himself and what Paul is saying is now you belong in his tribe you belong in his tribe you belong as part of the church now I know it's at this time where we feel that sense of not belonging the strongest because most of us are in quarantine if, if you're in Michigan we, we we just got another extension of our stay-at-home or, order and over and over we hear people say oh I just want to get back together why because we want to feel it we want to worship together we want to encourage one another for some of us man we just want to hug somebody and I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to hug again to be honest with social distancing but it's because we want to belong. 
The sad thing is, is there's some people that want to be a Christian, but unfortunately they don't want to belong to the tribe. They don't want to associate. They don't want to identify with this thing that's called church. Now, in my own story, I was born and raised in the church. And there was a period in my life where, boy, I could tell you every way that the local church or the church in North America was getting it wrong. And that's easy to do. And I know for some people, that's enough for them to stay away forever. But I don't think that's what God wants for us. In fact, I believe that that's disobedient because it was Jesus who initiated the church. The church was his idea. The church belongs to Jesus. In fact, I'll go so far as to say, I don't think you can be a Christian that says, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. That's an oxymoron because scripture describes the church as his body of which Christ himself is the head. And if you've been saved by God's grace, if you believe what Jesus did on the cross and you believe in the resurrection, there's a new man and there's this new tribe and now you belong in his tribe regardless of how the church has hurt you, regardless of what you think church should look like or what church should be. That's the deal. You belong in his tribe because of what Jesus did. And in, this, in these last verses that I read here, it says in, in, in verse 21, in whom the whole structure, it says, being joined together grows into a holy temple. Literally in the Greek, it's being joined together. We grow into a tabernacle. This holy temple, this dwelling place in the old days, in the Old Testament, that was called a tabernacle, a dwelling place for God's people. But it's interesting, and don't miss this, that when we're joined together, that's when we grow together. When we're joined together, that's when we grow together. He repeats it in verse 22. It says, in him, you also are being built together. Now, there's something incredibly communal about everything the New Testament teaches us about the church. You'll notice that a lot of the New Testament books are titled like Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians, Corinthians, Colossians. Why? They're letters to cities. They're letters to groups. They're letters to different parts of the tribe. There's very few that are addressed to individuals. And even when they are addressed to individuals, the intention is that they would be shared with the rest of the tribe. You see, what Paul is saying is when we join together, we grow in ways that we could not grow if we remained isolated. In fact, I'll go even further. I believe that God can work in your life and in my life, individually and in isolation. I do believe that. And some of us during quarantine, we're growing individually. But what God can build in you individually pales in comparison to what he can build in you when you're a part of a church. When you belong to the tribe. I mean, we're talking about things like accountability. We're talking about uh, people with you know, different opinions, people that might even have a different political party than you. 
whoa, is that even possible? Yes, it's possible. You might even find that there's some members of his tribe that are Ohio State fans. What in the world? Be careful, one of them is my dad. How is that even possible? Well, he's one of the godliest men that I know. Get over it. That, for some of us, requires a little bit of growth. And that growth can only happen in community. It can only happen when you're a part of something that's bigger than yourself. And it can only happen when you give yourself to that community, to that tribe. It's his tribe. And now you belong in his tribe. There's some ways that God wants to grow us. It's only going to happen in church. You know, I'm even thinking right now about Jesus' words to his disciples when he said, you will be my witnesses. And notice what he says. He says, you will be my witnesses to Joe and to Bill and to Catherine. He doesn't say that, does he? He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, a whole group. Judea, a whole region. Samaria, another region, and all the ends of the earth. Oh, God is personal. Don't don't hear me wrong. God is incredibly personal. But I think sometimes we've made him personal at the expense of the tribe. Some of us have made all of this, even my sense of belonging, all about me, instead of all about him and his tribe, his church. That's where we go here in chapter two. So how do I do that? You know, I know for some of us, we, we've gone to churches and we never quite feel like we belong. We go to a church and we never have that comfort where we really feel like we fit in. Do I have to change everything about my style? Do I have to change everything about even, you know, some of the baggage that I bring in? Do I just have to totally conform to this image? What do I do with that feeling that I don't belong here? I think for some of us, we need to shift from chasing after the feeling of belonging and shift our focus to creating a space to help others feel like they belong. I'm not talking about being a codependent. I'm not talking about, you know, not having a strong opinion, you know, about the coffee or about the style or about the music or the volume. I'm not, although some of that stuff could dial down when we do come together again. But it's about shifting the focus to others. Do they feel like they belong? Does that family feel like they belong? Who could I invite into this tribe, right? And when your focus shifts to others and off of self, I believe you find your place in the tribe. And just to use the Liverpool example again, is when you join that tribe, you don't get to suddenly decide that, you know what, the jerseys should be blue. They're going to be red. And it's it's almost disgusting to see that red from top to bottom. Because like I said, I'm a Man United fan. But if you're a Liverpool person, that's the color, Right? And you don't get to decide when, you know, you become a Liverpool fan that you're going to change the logo from the Liverbird, which is this random, you know, fictitious bird in my opinion, right? But that's the logo and it has been for over a hundred years and it'll continue to be that way. But when instead you become a part of that tribe 
And your focus becomes adopting everything that comes with being a part of that tribe. When you're part of the, those rabid fans who I can't stand, but I got to respect, singing at the beginning and the end of every game with full voice, 70,000 people. I hope you'll YouTube it. You'll never walk alone. They feel like they belong. For some of us, we remember what it's like not to belong. And it's important for us to remember that it was Jesus and it's only Jesus that brings us into his tribe. It's Jesus who makes us belong and now we do belong. This is your tribe. Whether you're someone that worships at the Buckley campus, downstairs here at the Manistee campus, or you've got your own campus online, if you're a Christian, if you call on Jesus, you were made for more than just yourself. You were made to belong to his tribe. And you can say together, not just to Jesus, I am yours. Together you can say, we are yours. And it's all because of Jesus. So when this... uh, quarantine's over. If you don't have a church, I've said it before, I hope you find one. If, if you're up here in northern Michigan and you don't have a church, I hope you'll try us out. If you do have a church, get involved at that church, serve at that church, love that church, be a part of belonging to that church and helping others feel like they belong. The solution, I believe, is making church be the church you always wanted to go to by helping others feel like they're a part, inviting other people in. And when you do that, when you own it, and when you recognize Christ is our king, it's his blood, he's the leader, it's about him. Wow. In this life, you'll never walk alone. You'll always belong to his tribe. That's my heart. That's our heart here at the tabernacle. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray that you will use this bit of scripture to help us know that we know that we know that we not only belong to you, but that we belong to one another. God, help us not to just say love God and love people with our lips, but to live it by giving ourselves to this thing that's bigger than ourselves, this cause, this mission, this tribe, this glorious thing, your body, which is the church. I ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.